0: Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm here today with Joseph Wilkins, founder of funnysalesvideos.com and host of How to Make a Video Go Viral. Welcome to the podcast, Joseph. Thanks, Scott. Great to be here. No problem. So today we're going to be discussing exactly what's in your domain name, funny sales videos, (laughs) how to create funny sales videos, the process that goes behind making them, your career today and how you've been making funny sales videos and the results that you've seen from them over time. Uh, but yeah. before we get into the granular detail of the episode, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners, more about your background, more at what you do at
1: videos.com? Sure, sure. So I started, um, I actually started a different production company that still exists. It's called Procreative. And over the past 20 years, we started out producing infomercials. So 20 years ago, our very first project was a little giant ladder infomercial that did over $200 million in sales. Um, we were a very small part of that production, but kind of gave me a taste of how the power of video can really help people if you get it in front of a huge audience. And so for about 10, 15 years, that's really all we did was direct response television and traditional online sales videos. We've worked for some huge companies, you know, LinkedIn, Goldman Sachs, Google, McDonald's, Chevrolet, but kind of as time went on i don't know about you scott but i just don't watch television anymore <laughs> uh, and lots of our customers started saying you know we're we're spending the same amount of money trying to get the same kinds of results and we're just not seeing them what else can we do to get people's attention and where are they actually watching Um, so about three or four years ago, we pivoted and honestly, because we took pretty much every course that the Harman Brothers University offered. I'm sure you've heard of Harman Brothers. They're the geniuses behind the squatty potty ad, the purple mattress, poopery, chat books. So when they started a university, we were sold we basically signed up for every single course and it kind of gave us the confidence to to be able to launch funny sales videos it's it's kind of amusing when i tell people that for the first 15 or so years of my career when when the phone would ring and somebody would say hey we want to do a really funny video we would say sorry we don't do funny you've got to be able to you know do it well or don't do it at all that's what we would tell our clients but you know I guess because of the confidence that we got after launching a fir- our first campaign that did like seven million views and you know did tremendously well, we we said, "Oh, we really can do this." With uh, some of the training that we got from Harmon Brothers and obviously our experience in direct response, we now have campaigns. In fact, our last campaign between two videos now has over sixty million views and millions of dollars in sales, and so you know, that's really all we do these days is funny sales videos that really perform so much better than anything we've ever done before. That's amazing. So those first 15
0: years, if I've understood that right, so that humor and comedy wasn't always a part of the infomercials that you used to create in your, the other company. Yeah.
1: Yeah, No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, it was the opposite, right? It was just, (laughs) you know, your standard meat pitch, Direct response, call to action, show them the product, give them an offer, which, you know, it, it worked uh, and it probably still does to an extent. But we just, we, we never saw the kinds of engagements and likability that we're now seeing with the feedback that we get on these kinds of videos. So where did the
0: funny part come in? So I know um, years wise, <laughs> this was around 2017, uh, yeah. but I'm really, I'm keen to understand. So you get this kind of request, this demand from your customers to say, hey, we want to move from the TV infomercials more to online videos. So I understand that part, and I kind of want to go into that in a little bit more detail in a minute. But then where does the funny part come in? What inspired you to narrow down in this niche? So, you
1: know, Pablo Picasso said something to the effect of good artists copy, great artists steal. And that's literally what we did. I mean, I've, I've been watching things at the Harmon Brothers and other companies that really do funny well for many years thinking, you know, it would be great to do that kind of thing. But I personally don't consider myself, you know, I mean, I, I think I'm somewhat funny, but I don't consider myself a comedian. And so I never thought that I personally could do that. But it was it was almost like a light switch when we took the Harmon Brothers University training and they said you don't have to be funny to produce a funny sales video you, you just have to surround yourself with funny people and so you know they literally said go out and find the funniest people you know and hire them as a freelance writer go to comedy clubs and and listen to stand up comedians And then go up to them afterwards or reach out to them online and say, hey, what do you do during the day when you're not doing stand-up comedy? Most of them don't have daytime jobs because they travel from gig to gig or even, you know, some of the people that now work for me fill stadium seating on cruise ships during the night. And then during the day, they don't have anything to do. So they freelance for me on the side. And so that's how I I basically flipped the switch is I just created a brain share of very funny comedians. Cause I, I can tell when something's funny or not. I just, I'm not always the best at coming up with something from nothing. So that's, That's basically how it happened. I just created this dream team of freelance comedians that work with me and my other writers to create those scripts and then make them funny.
0: That's interesting. I hadn't thought to ask that until you've just mentioned it. But the
1: actors and actresses in your videos, do you source them in the same way? Not really. So the actors, and that's a whole different skill is, you know, being able to take a script and deliver it, right? Mm. Timing is everything with comedy. In one or two instances, I have had some of my actors do some writing, but most of the time, you know, I have my writing team and then I, you know, I use a very professional agency here in town that has some very, very good Actors that can do comedy, not all of your actors need to do comedy because you know you've got your funny actors and then you've got your straight actors, so to speak, that are delivering different parts of the video. but we definitely always audition many, many, many actors before we decide on the ones. But the one thing I would say that I really love, and we actually just did a shoot three days ago where we saw this abundantly, is when actors will take your script, spend a few weeks to read through it and then come on set and do some improv, add to the script, even stuff that just comes off the top of their head. If you're laughing on set, you know that your people are going to be laughing when they're watching the video. So being open to the creative process is a is a big part and great actors will help do that.
0: And over this period of time, just over the last fifteen years and even what you're doing now, how has your role developed? I'm curious to know the aspect of whether it's video production script writing, post production, what aspects do you get involved with or is it the entire suite of activity?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. And in bigger agencies we're a very small boutique agency and all we do is these kinds of videos. And in bigger agencies, you know, you'll have multiple people on different roles. I kind of see myself as the creative director, so, you know, I guide the brainstorming process. I guide the scriptwriters, I guide the comedians. So I'm kind of the one that says, give me all of your stuff. And then you have to have, you know, whether that's you or whether that's somebody that you appoint, you have to have somebody who collates all of the ideas and makes the decision of which ones actually make the final cut. And then obviously in the editing process, you know, I have multiple editors, but I'm kind of the person that basically says, this is the best joke. This is going to make it into the final script. So I don't do one thing. I have people that do those things, but I'm kind of there supervising the whole process and along with the client making the final decision of, yes, this is, this is the best version that's going to end up. But I'll, I'll throw a huge caveat in there. I don't think my or the client's ideas are the ones that should dictate the process. I am and if you download my free ebook, you'll see this time and time again, I'm a huge believer in making the customer make the decision. So in every step of our process, we'll test it on what we would refer to as a customer avatar profile. And depending on the customer's budget, you know, that could be as simple as, you know, going and quizzing, people on the street you know taking an ipad and stopping people that look like they fit your customer avatar as far as age and demographic and and either saying will you watch this video and then do you like it are there things that you don't understand are you laughing at it you know or doing that at the script writing process but In a more complex way, you know, back in my infomercial days, we would literally fill a room with 20, 30 people of our customer avatar, and we would sit behind a one-way mirror. We would give each person a dial, and we would say, you know, you constantly need to be changing this from happy face to sad face throughout that 30-minute infomercial. And then we would get a graph and be able to tell very, very specifically whether those customers like what they were seeing. And so I always tell people use your customers as much as possible to test everything on before you you know, go out and spend a whole bunch of money promoting the video. I'm
0: glad that you touched on that because I was going to ask the question about, I want to know the similarities and differences between creating infomercials and then creating funny sales videos because I see it in my mind as this Venn diagram. There's that crossover bit in the middle. Um, yeah. And I want to, uh, so I'd like, yeah, if you could maybe expand or elaborate on how they're similar and then also the skills that you've had to learn over time to create funny sales videos in comparison to the previously the infomercials.
1: Yeah, so the the big difference is obviously humor. We we don't we didn't really use humor at all in infomercials, but the principles, the marketing principles are identical. And it used to be that we would write Shoot and edit our infomercials with a picture in our mind of a customer sitting on their couch with a remote control an arm's length away. And our goal when we were editing specifically the final infomercial would be to say, are we getting their attention and are we keeping them from picking up that remote control? Right? Because you're fighting against the fact that, you know, they, there's a hundred other channels that they could turn to. And so you want to continue to keep their attention. The interesting thing is we would always say you've got 30 seconds from when an infomercial starts to whether or not that person is going to keep watching or turn the channel. In the online world, those attention spans have shrunk dramatically, right? So we're in the world of Twitter and Instagram, these very, very short form. And obviously TikTok has just accelerated that. But now we say you've got five seconds. So it's the same principle. You've got to grab their attention and make them realize that you have a solution to their problem. So any marketing campaign that we do is basically a quick framework of grab their attention, show them a problem, show them the solution, show them an easy way that they can fix that right now with your product. And and again, with infomercials, even though it was a 30-minute show, an infomercial was broken up into about three different pods of about seven minutes that essentially repeated themselves because we knew that the average person would watch for about seven minutes before they decided, yes, this is for me, or no, I'm going to change the channel. In the world of online, now we basically have about three minutes in which we do what we used to do in seven. Now three minutes may still sound like an eternity to most digital marketers, but people don't stop watching videos because they're too long. They stop watching because they get bored. So the whole challenge with online is to constantly be hooking them with either jokes or shocking, you know, things that we put into our videos or extreme demonstrations or some way of saying, you got to keep watching because we are connecting with your problem, we're making a character that's relatable to you, and then we're introducing our clients' products or services as the solution to that problem. And so those are kind, you know, the similarities is the structure, the difference is the time condensing, and obviously the humor that we're now seeing much more effective than anything that we ever did in the days of just producing direct response, call to action, shove the product down the client's throat. And what's been the biggest learning curve for you as part of that process? So it's, again, you know, it basically taking the the long way that we used to do things and figuring out what stays and what has to get cut. Mm. Because, you know, you've got to condense everything down, even though we see our longer videos outperforming shorter versions of the same video, you still only have at maximum four minutes before somebody is just not going to watch the video when they turn it on and see that timestamp on the play bar below. And so just figuring out how do we tell the same story in a short amount of time, but also keep that person entertained. We call it, you know, entertain people into buying your product rather than just pitching it. And so, keeping that entertainment factor is the challenge. How do you continue to come up with things that are visually going to hook them? Because most people, 80% of people are watching your video with the sound off on their mobile device. So, you know, it's much, much smaller as far as real estate than your television screen that people used to watch things on. And you've got to make it visual because The goal is to get that person to turn the sound on so that they can hear your message, not just see it. And you've got about five seconds to do that. And that's the most important thing. Anything past five seconds, if you haven't earned their attention and got them to turn the sound on, you're pretty much wasting the rest of your money because they're not going to see it if you don't grab their attention and get them to engage early. This is interesting. So, Grabbing attention and then keeping attention are also different
0: things, so i 'm yes. curious to know are the techniques different for grabbing attention and keeping
1: attention? We pretty much say let 's focus most of our energy and oftentimes money on that first five to five to ten seconds so thats that 's the most important thing is grabbing the attention, but the principles are the same. We look at it as like you know let 's say there 's a three minute timeline you've got to have that big hook at the beginning, but then any time that there feels like there's a lull, you've got to hook them again. And then, you know, you can give them a little more sales information, but then hook them again. And then, you know, it's kind of every 15 to 20 seconds, you've got to have at least a joke or a hook or some way of, again, re-grabbing that attention. And you can see that in the retention curve on any video once we've published it, right? So whether it's on Facebook or YouTube, all of these platforms have a back-end system that you can go in and see where are you losing people. And if you see this retention curve that's nice and smooth, it means that for the most part, on average, people are are staying and watching your video without dropping out on any particular point. If you see a retention curve that all of a sudden takes a sharp dive – then you know there's a problem right there in your video. People are getting bored or people are getting turned off or people are not are finally seeing the product and they're not interested, so they're bouncing. And, you know, some of that is normal. Most videos, even the Harmon brothers, who are the best at doing this, they say that only about 5% of people will actually watch their videos through to the end. But if you're getting tens of millions of people watching your video, that's still a huge number. And so don't be disappointed if you look at your video and see that at the end, only a very small percent are still watching. But you do want to make sure that you're not letting them get bored and click away. People will click away when they when you introduce your product. That's a given. They realize at that point, oh, this is a commercial, not just a funny viral video. But again, the point is you... If you've got a big number of people watching your video and you get that kind of attrition rate, as long as you deliver the key selling points, it's okay if a a whole bunch click away because it's all about the funnel, right? A big number of people going in the top and a small number of people coming out the bottom.
0: Mm. That stands out to me as a, a potential difference as well between the infomercials and creating the online sales videos. You mentioned earlier, I think for infomercials, you would maybe test an audience through a one-way screen. And so you'd be able to see their reactions live in the moment. So I'm assuming that would allow you to play different versions of a video, or maybe kind of create a video, get some feedback, create the next video and kind of iterate in that way. How do you replicate that process for online videos? So you mentioned there that you can get some data from analytics tools, but how else do you sense what is keeping people hooked, whether it's something is actually funny or not.
1: Yeah. So big disclaimer, we're not a digital marketing agency. So our role ends to an extent when the video is done, we Mm -hmm. then partner with other agencies, or if the client has, you know, a a very good in-house team, we basically just hand it across. So we're not those, you know, data heads, but what we do is we're constantly testing throughout the process but most of the time, we encourage clients where budget allows to create multiple versions of the same video. Right. So in one of our packages, we do three completely different grabbers, the opening five to 10 seconds. And then before the client opens up the floodgates and spends the money to promote that ad, we say, okay, let's do a statistically significant test to see which of these three opening hooks are people watching through the longest. And then once we have that, we basically say, okay, put all your money on black, right? Put all of your money on the best performing version Mm -hmm. of that video. And then we also do multiple calls to action. So one could be, you know, click below and get 10% off. One could be click below and get buy one, get one free. One could be an evergreen version. So you have all of these different assets, but then we also do a lot of retargeting. So once they've served that main hero three-minute version, then we'll follow up with shorter versions or alternate versions that say, you know, hey, I saw you watch that video. You abandon cart, click below and get an extra 10% off or whatever it is. So it's all about testing, testing, testing. And then when people don't respond, follow up with retargeting.
0: Mm. so much that you're saying here that reminds me of in copywriting it's the first paragraph or two the the, yes. the story lead and i know that's applicable to visual sounds ads as well and so there's Absolutely. a lot of crossover there that's really interesting to me uh, you also touched on something that you you were saying how once a product is introduced perhaps that's where you see a little bit of drop off and so i'm interested oh, yeah. i'm interested to know both when you create infomercials or creating these funny sales videos are there any trends that you see that cause people to drop
1: off or to lose attention when watching a video yeah so again when you're looking at that retention curve once you've served up enough ads that you've got you know again a statistically significant amount of data you can you can look and see you know the whole goal when somebody's scrolling through a Facebook feed or, you know, being served a pre-roll ad before what they really want to see on YouTube, the whole goal is just to reframe them and say, here's something that's going to be entertaining that you'll enjoy watching. And that's the first five to 10 seconds. Then you'll start to introduce the problem and constantly making it relevant, hopefully to the target that the digital marketers have, have identified and are serving this ad to. And then once you've established that problem and that the person watching has that problem, then you're going to introduce a solution. But at that time, like I said, that's when they, the light bulb goes off. Oh, this is an ad. But hopefully in that opening minute or so before you've introduced the, the solution, you've earned enough that they're actually interested. But regardless, you always will see a drop-off when you mention the product. You'll also always see a drop-off if there's any time where it goes too salesy. And what I mean by that is... The people aren't watching this ad because they like your product. They're watching this ad because it's entertaining. Same reason that they continue watching the next show on Netflix. You're giving them something that they're enjoying the experience. The moment you make it too salesy or too boring or even have too long of a pause between one section and another that's not visually stimulating, you'll see those drops off. So that's why I talk in my ebook about speed things up, make things engaging. Don't ever let people get bored. I often will cut anything out that isn't engaging. So that includes even half a second of a pause between one sentence and another. I'll often overlap people's dialogue. I'll, you know, start the action for the next scene when the last scene is finishing. And so people just don't have the time to get bored. I want them to be Overwhelmed rather than underwhelmed. And, you know, sometimes people will say, well, your ads are too fast or your ads are too, too busy. And that actually to me is a compliment because I want to engage that person as much as possible or else you'll see that drop off rate. You'll also see the drop off rate. You know, we've made a few mistakes over our years. You'll also see a drop off rate if you do something that's offensive or distasteful. We often ride the line between making sure our video is completely disruptive and making sure it's still on company culture or on brand, right? A lot of business owners will, will say to me, I just don't know that our company is right for funny. And my response is always the same. Do you know any one of your customers that doesn't enjoy smiling? Mm -hmm. Do you know any one of your customers that doesn't have emotions? It doesn't matter what you're selling as long as you make it relevant. And as long as you have a problem that they can relate to and a solution that will genuinely solve that problem, we can fill the rest in with an entertaining story that feels very on brand. But you, you can't do things that are too off brand, too edgy. I mean, we're a fairly conservative by nature anyway, but you know, anything that's, that will offend the masses, you'll see drop offs. Now I'll, I'll just really quickly give a caveat. If you don't get complaints about your video, you haven't pushed it far enough you've got to be disruptive. And that's, you know, when you talk about these huge numbers, I mean, our videos go to tens of millions of people. You're always going to have that minority that is offended by something that you do. I'll give you a quick example. In our True Earth video, which is a laundry detergent, uh, this is the campaign that now has over 60 million views. It's a laundry detergent that doesn't use water. It's basically dehydrated water, waterless laundry sheets, And so our opening hook, our grabber was things you should never mix with water. And we threw water on on, uh, electronics and sizzled a motherboard on a a laptop. We threw a bunch of different things. And then we threw water on a witch and she melted. Well, we were inundated with people from Wiccan and witches societies saying, this is terrible. It's painting us in a bad light. I mean, it's it's funny to talk about it, but we legitimately got a lot of comments on our ad from witches complaining, which I thought was kind of funny and, and nobody's really going to lose too much sleep over that. But it just goes to show that any idea you come up with, you'll always have someone that's offended, but you're just looking to not offend the masses like the 80-20 rule.
0: You're a braver man than me. I think if I had upset a uh... A flock of witches. And what do you call them? A haven of (laughs) witches. That might make me lose sleep. I think I'm not sure. Um, Oh,
1: I've had I've had curses put on me. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. I was just yeah. I'm sense checking. I don't know if this podcast will ever get published because I don't want that curse passed on through audio to to me. So yeah, let the the witches know that I didn't make fun of this. Um, But no, that, that is a really that is a really funny example there. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking it must be really difficult to find that boundary of being disruptive without being distasteful. And that only comes for experience. But I'm interested to know when you, you mentioned earlier about creating three different types of those first five to 10 seconds, and do you intentionally create some that are maybe more controversial than others? When you're going through that attention grabbing first five, 10 seconds, do you intentionally create quite different variants?
1: Um we don't get too controversial. I mean, I'm yep. always of the opinion that the stand-up comics who are family friendly are the most clever. It's hard to create clean content for the masses. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to, you know, go into the gutter, everyone does it, but it it's harder and takes more effort to come up with really good, solid content. And so You know, I, I always try to stay on the, you know, the safe side. Number one, because obviously Facebook and YouTube are going to ban anything that is too edgy anyway. So there's no point even doing that in the first place. But number two, you don't want to drag your brand through the mud and going there, both from my brand, my company's brand's point of view and also my clients' brands. It's just safer and easier to be clever. Rather than to, you know, to go into the gutter. So I would say try to stay above board. But when it comes to shocking, yeah, we, we want to be visually shocking and disruptive. So for example, our last ad for true earth. Um, It opens with a guy doing the laundry and a a lady sitting on the couch reading a a magazine. And it was in response to our previous video that some people said was a little bit misogynistic that was about a a housewife doing her laundry. So in the second video, we decided, let's flip the tables. And the the name of the video was Real Men Do Laundry. So (laughs) the whole video was this buff, you know, macho guy talking about how real men do laundry. So the opening scene, we did three different versions. In one version, the guy, this muscle guy, basically in one arm held this couch in the middle of the air with with his wife sitting on it, reading a, a magazine. And with the other hand was vacuuming under the couch. It was all done with special effects, but it's very visually stimulating to see this guy holding a, a, a couch up in the air with one hand and vacuuming with the other. The second version, we had him hanging up the laundry and then blowing with his super breath. And we used like, you know, wind machines that weren't seen in the shot that made it look like he was just blowing this laundry with superpower. And then I'm trying to think of what the third version was, but just three completely different visual ways. But the opening line was always the same. And so we were just testing that visual hook, not necessarily the message, because we knew what that message needed to be.
0: You mentioned stand-up comedy as you were talking a moment ago, and there's so many parallels between what you do here and stand-up comedy when it comes to grabbing attention and keeping attention. I'm a big stand-up comedy fan, so I see the similarities. And I'm just curious to know, what do you study outside of online marketing, do you study stand-up comedians and in particular clean stand-up comedians that you just mentioned? Do you have any favorites that
1: inspire you in this writing and production process? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Regan is my all-time favorite stand-up Comic. Um, His brother, Dennis Regan, is extremely funny. I also highly recommend a new online clean comedy. In fact, I think it's the largest online resource of any stand-up comedy in the world. It's called Dry Bar, Dry Bar Comedy. A lot of these guys actually work for me now because I watch it and then I reach out to them but Dry bar comedy has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stand up it's kind of like Netflix for clean stand up comedy i mean jerry Seinfeld is is as very very good up there mm. on my list i mean there, there's a lot having said that. I don't really see my role as being the comedy expert. I see my role as being the marketing expert. You know, so I study more marketing material than I do comedy because I know I've got this great bench of comedians that that's all they do all day long. I'm very opinionated as far as you should be great at one thing, not good at multiple things. Leave the multiple things to people who are great at their things. And so, my goal isn't to make funny videos. My goal isn't to make viral videos. My goal is to get my clients sales. My goal is to move their bottom line. And I should just clarify, we don't produce viral videos. If I if I just put these videos out on YouTube, nobody would ever see them. We create videos that replace ads. And will double, triple, in some cases have quadrupled the return on the ad spend that my clients are already spending running traditional, boring, direct response ads. That's my goal. So I don't know if that gives you any clarity, but you know, I love comedy, but that's not my specialty. And I think your audience should take heart from that, that they don't need to be funny. You know, if they're great copywriters, fantastic. That's that's one of the most important skills because without great copy, nobody's gonna be buying anything, no matter how funny it is. It's being persuasive that's ultimately what you want to be. And funny is just a vehicle for that. You can, you know, you can use humor, you can use tearjerkers, you can use logic, you can use extreme demonstrations. It's all Sorts of different executions of how are you persuasive funny just happens to be the one that i enjoy doing and more importantly have seen the best results for right now i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Being involved in that comedy space, I imagine it's very easy to fall into the trap of letting your ego take control. and kind of lose sight of the end goal a little bit. Um, absolutely so it, i guess it's important for you to kind of remind yourself of the end goal and be that person being the cheerleader for the end goal in your team great point and uh, i want to ask one final question about this attention grabbing part of the, the first five to ten seconds and i'm just curious to know practically you mentioned you know maybe that's the time where you drop in a jo- i think you said you drop in a joke quite early on But is there anything else uh, What's coming to mind having watched some of your videos is there seems to be someone on screen straight away. So you've got a person on screen straight away. There's very quickly some kind of graphic on screen with some kind of number or jumbo number. All of this I recall in the first five to 10 seconds. Is there anything else
1: like that, like techniques that you use to grab attention early? Yeah, you're, you're very observant. That's exactly everything you just went through. Those are very intentional. You know, studies have shown that people relate to people. Like a baby, the the most important thing that a baby needs is somebody to look at and connect with. And we all have that primal instinct that we we connect way more with people than anything else. So it doesn't matter if you're showing a product or you know something. That, it doesn't matter what you're trying to sell. People connect with people, and so that's why every single one of our videos follows a very formulaic timeline, which is introduce a brand character, somebody that's going to take me through this video that I'm going to connect with. And so we always try to start out with that person on screen most of the time. Um, and and most of the time they're doing something unexpected. So the two words that the Harmon brothers always use are be surprising, but fitting. So it's got to be surprising or else it looks the exact same as every other ad or every other video that you're scrolling through Facebook or seeing on YouTube or wherever you're seeing this ad. It's got to be surprising, got to be different. So that character is often dressed in different colors or in an outlandish outfit or in unusual circumstances that that person wouldn't normally be associated with. Uh, you gotta throw up graphics again because most people don't have the sound on. You gotta have motion and action. Any, these are all little tools in your tool belt that you want to try to use as many as possible. But yeah, it's that first opening isn't about selling. It's about earning, earning your attention, earning just a few more seconds of your time before you click off to anything else you know i i think that we've tested a lot of different options and we're still learning right we're still every campaign we learn something new but yeah that that human connection that human face is very important and then something that's out of place out of context different and disruptive
0: and you mentioned as you were talking there you have a a formula or a framework. And I think you alluded to it earlier, but for anyone listening, if you want that framework, I can't remember the name of the book, but it's an eight step process that helps people create these online, uh, these funny sales videos. And you can download that at funnysalesvideos.com. That will all be linked in the show notes as well. I just wanted to go on to, you've shared a few examples as you've been talking for clients that you've worked with, but I wanted to just give you an opportunity to talk through any of your favorite examples And I'm particularly interested to know if there are any companies or any industries that you really specifically like working in to create funny sales videos. And if so,
1: why? Yeah. So after 20 years of selling some, (laughs) uh, shall we say, not, not, uh, life-saving world changing (laughs) products. (laughs) I mean, you turn on an infomercial late at night and you'll see all kinds of kitschy gadgets anyway. I I absolutely love working with brands that are doing good in the world. That's my number one thing that I look for right now. Now we can't do that with every client, but you know, we've done uh, a few projects lately with companies that are making products that do good in the world, whether that's, you know, environmental products that help save on plastic and packaging we we did that with true earth we also did that with a phone case company that's making these phone cases out of flaxseed and decompose uh, compostable materials or just basically any company that is not just out to make a buck and sell a plastic widget that's just going to sit in a drawer or get tossed away you know it it it's good to be able to do good in the world but it's also really rewarding where we just sit back and let a video get released and read the comments, read what people say about, you know, how I, I took three minutes out of my day to watch this video and it put a smile on my face. Or, you know, I, I realized that this is actually something that is a good product and I'd like it. And I actually like the way that they're promoting it rather than feel icky after being, you know, served up an ad that just wants my money. So companies that do good in the world. I lo- I love working with those.
0: I've got a smile on my face because, well, two reasons. One, because it's really nice to hear that, and two, having been in that infomercial space for a long time, I imagine you have sold creative <laughs> videos for some really interesting products. I don't know if you can reveal any. You feel free to tell me if not. But I am curious to know that some of the strangest products that you've ever sold through <laughs> online through, through sales videos or infomercials.
1: Gosh, now now the ones you got that
0: have me. made you laugh. Yeah, the ones that have made you laugh the most. I think.
1: I don't know if they make me laugh the most the ones that I just I don't know we, you know we, our job isn't necessarily to police the world but some of these get rich quick scheme people right, that right. want to throw on infomercials and get you to come to seminars and just yeah, there's just something that leaves a bad taste in your mouth when when you watch or get approach by companies that don't really have a genuinely good product to sell. And that's why nowadays we're pretty picky with who we take on. We kind of have the luxury of having a good amount of clients that want to work with us. And so we we like to make sure that we're doing good by the people that we're serving these ads to. You're creating
0: these funny sales videos regularly, and I imagine it must be easy to... I talked about falling falling into the trap of losing sight of what the end goal is and perhaps being too funny. But I'm also yes. thinking about keeping things fresh. So when you're script writing, I imagine it might be difficult sometimes to avoid writing jokes or lines that are too similar for the, from the ones you've previously written, And uh, you and your team. And I'm just interested to know how you personally and how your team keep that fresh and keep the content fresh across
1: different companies that you work with. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And it it is something that we're conscious about. Um, So the first thing is I have a rotating writers pool. So I won't use the same writers. Uh, If we have a campaign like True Earth, where we're now on their fourth video, we'll use the same team of writers across the campaign, because it's okay, if we reference previous videos or, you know, not necessarily reuse jokes, but reuse the same kind of marketing points because, you know, the product's the same from video to video. It still has those same benefits, but you want to serve it up in a fresh way when we're dealing with new clients. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to have a client watch their video and then watch someone else's video and say, Hey, you use the same joke and so we we try to continually keep a revolving pool of talent coming in but again that comes down to really my responsibility as the keeper of the of the overall company brand and making sure that nothing gets, you know, stolen from one video and put into another. Now, there's a difference between taking inspiration from one project and applying it to another. I mean, that's what that our company wouldn't be around if we hadn't taken inspiration from the Harmon Brothers and from some of these other companies that have done great work over the years, you know, Dollar Shave Club and, and Old Spice, all of these great videos that have you know, kind of we, we're standing on their shoulders. But again, you want to make it fresh. And I think it, just the more ideas you can throw out. And, you know, that's in, that's in the ebook is step two brainstorming, throwing out as many concepts as you can without filters on, right? Don't be critical of any idea until it's out on the wall and you're trying to distill it down to the best one. Sometimes the worst ideas you throw out will spin off one of the best ideas that becomes the genesis for a great campaign. And so it's all about numbers. If you sit down and say, hey, I've got an idea for a funny video and let's start scripting, you're only starting with one idea. You've left 99 possible ideas that could have been so much better than the one that you thought of. Rarely does the first idea, is the the first idea the best idea? And so I think the way to keep it fresh and con- continually bring out new stuff is just, it's a numbers game.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice. It applies to sales videos, but I think it's just in general in marketing, actually, this is a great piece of advice, something universal that you can apply, you know, regardless of the industry or specialism that you're in. You mentioned this very early on as we started talking, and it was about the length of the videos. And that's something that I want to get into a little bit as well. So the videos that I've watched from you fall into the funny sales videos fall into this two to four minute range maybe. And I'm just interested to know why, like uh, is that through research and development? What, how do they fall into that? And this is kind of a loaded question because I'm going to ask also, uh, does that tie in with the launch of these and when you launch them online and how you launch them, you can maybe talk through that.
1: Yeah. So we always say, and again, I stole this from the Harmon brothers. So I guess I'll say the Harmon brothers say a video should be as long as it needs to be to accomplish the goal and not not a second longer. So if your goal is to create a sale, there are certain things that you have to do before you can make that sale, If, especially if you're driving cold traffic to this video, which is what most of our videos are. And so taking somebody from knowing nothing about your product to having them pull out their credit card and type in their number. I mean, that's a huge feat that you're trying to accomplish. And so, you know, marketing 101, you've got to come up with your list of unique selling points. What is it that differentiates you from your competitor? What is it that's going to help this person solve their problem and make their life better? And so if you, you just can't go through all of that in a 30 second TV commercial. That's why TV is primarily these days just used for branding. It's not used to, to educate you of what a Big Mac is. It's used to remind you that you already know what a Big Mac is and you want one. That's all <laughs> it's doing. With us, you have no idea what my widget is. But yeah, I want you to want one. So I've got to spend the time to educate you, to reposition the competition, to tell a story and, you know, adding the humor in just makes it longer, but ironically makes it so that you can make it longer. And so there's all of these ingredients that we always say, you've got to have that opening hook. You've got to establish the problem. You've got to bring in the solution. You've got to ask them to to buy fairly early, then you've got to back up why they should buy. You've got to create social proof. You've got to make sure that they realize they're not going to have buyers regret. A lot of the times we use that, we, we overcome that by using, you know, testimonials or case studies or product demonstrations. You've got to not just hope that they believe you. You've got to show them and prove them that what you're saying is true. And so there's all these different ingredients and I've just found there's no way to do that in less than two minutes is even too short. Three minutes is really where we target and sometimes we go over that. But again, they don't stop watching because it's too long. They stop watching because they get bored. So as long as you're constantly advancing that story and, and keeping their attention. You know, they'll they'll stick around if you do it right. And it also leads to my question about when they launch so when your clients
0: launch these videos that you've created, can you I know you mentioned earlier you're kind of not involved in necessarily the marketing element of them once you hand over the video. But I am curious to know where these videos are launched. So do they go onto the website? Do they go onto YouTube? And as part of this, do you find any client requests to Provide sections or snippets of the video to use in these ads for kind of Facebook, Instagram and so forth.
1: Yeah. So every platform has its own limitations. And, and the, sh- the short answer is every single one of those platforms that you just mentioned, we will use or we will right. tell our clients to use. So you definitely want to put it on your website. You definitely want to put it on every single social media account that you have because that's just free promotion. Now, again, I, I mentioned earlier. The the goal isn't to just make this go viral. It's to start running paid ads so that, Mm. you know, compared to what you're running right now, this will perform way better. And so we see most of our B2C products, so business to consumer, we see the number one place right now that we're seeing success is Facebook, followed by YouTube, because those platforms allow you to run a long format. So three, four minutes. No problem. You can't do that on Instagram. You can't do that on TikTok. They have time restraints for how long an ad can be. And so when we create our hero video, we also create lots of shorter versions so that you can retarget people on Instagram. You can retarget people on TikTok using much, much shorter versions. But the the whole point is, if you've created a video and we also create multiple formats. So most people watching a video on Facebook will be watching on their mobile device. So we need to cut it to a square. If they're watching it on YouTube or on your website or casting it to their TV, they're watching it in a rectangular 16 by nine format. So when we're filming, if you can imagine my monitor, I have tape lines where the square part of the image is. And then the extra sides, I know I need to keep those in in frame as well, because I'm going to use that for the widescreen YouTube format. So we'll cut each video to the size of the platform. We'll also edit each video to the length that we're allowed to run on each platform. So one video could end up with, you know, 20 different versions. When you look at, the size of it, whether or not we're burning subtitles into it, because you don't want to have YouTube or Facebook auto generate subtitles. You literally want to type them in yourself in the editing program so that they spaced right. You only have certain amount of words on the screen at any given time, or else people just will get overwhelmed and won't be able to process it. So there's multiple different versions of that same video on a campaign launch. Mm.
0: No, that's excellent. So it really just means that when the when clients are receiving videos from you, it's not just a single video that they're really getting. It's the ability to repurpose that video into all of these different formats for different platforms. Absolutely, yeah. No, that makes sense. And as we're talking, you know, we're recording a podcast, and it's it's great actually because you managed to bring a lot of this to life for me. And I know it's video based, so I'm going to obviously share links to your website so people can watch these videos themselves. But I was thinking about the growth in podcast advertising and how you get sponsored a podcast now, host red ads, and how the old form of radio advertising is potentially switching to this area online. And I'm just curious to know whether you've either thought about adapting some of these skills and methods to produce online audio ads, or whether you've seen that out in the wild and just really your thoughts on whether those things
1: are comparable. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I do a ton of podcasts and, and I've never been asked that question. We did back in the day when we did TV infomercials and short form TV commercials, we would also do radio commercials, which yes. is essentially what you're talking about. But we didn't, we didn't use humor. And one of the biggest things that I think when I think of humor, it 's a very to me it 's a very visual medium, and the whole the thing that we bring to the table is that we create images that are visually stunning you know how would we translate that into an audio only version you know with with podcasting being so popular and obviously clubhouse being being the the, the latest shiny object and these audio platforms there's definitely an opportunity there i don 't know that I would be the one to take that ball and run with it, but definitely, you know, someone listening, maybe that's a great opportunity right now for, for another agency to really focus on. I just, I love, I'm a visual person. I, you know, I, I'm a, you know, my background is in, in graphic design is what I studied in college. And then I got into filmmaking and, and then marketing. So I kind of came in a, a different way than most people. But my, my passion is, is the visual arts, but I can definitely see a huge opportunity there for somebody to come in and, and really put their flag in the ground.
0: To close out the episode, um, you've just talked there about your experience and whether it's filmmaking or marketing or infomercials, you've got this kind of broad range of experience. And I'm just interested to know, you've mentioned the Harmon brothers quite a few times, but is there anyone else that you look to? That you just think does a great job of grabbing attention, keeping attention in their videos. Again, that can be in marketing or just in any across any video space.
1: Well, it's kind of funny. You, it's it's a brand new way of thinking. But I think Hollywood is starting to do this. Um, that may not be the the, the angle to your question you were expecting. But if you think about it. Netflix has completely redefined the movie-going experience. It used to be that you and I would pay ten dollars to go to a movie theater, or five dollars to rent a V. I'm showing my age now. A VHS or a DVD, and we were committed. Right, yeah. we weren't going to turn it off unless it absolutely stunk, because we'd already paid the money. With the advent of streaming and Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, we have no investment in these movies. So you've got to keep our attention. You've got to serve up a great story. You know, it's not in the first five seconds, but it's certainly in the first scene. And so I think Hollywood is reinvented the way that they are producing their films because they know that they won't get the streaming numbers if they don't keep your attention in that opening scene. And so I look to them to say, you know, how, what are they doing to be able to solve that problem? Back to your question, you know, Chamber Media is another great company that kicks out a lot of really talented, these kinds of videos. I think it's Rain, Rain or Raindrop, the guys that do the Dr. Squatch videos that have been so successful uh, I mean, there's a lot of big agencies that spend a lot more money that, than we do and, and do some really, really good work. We, uh, we kind of position ourselves as, you know, if you want that kind of video on a budget, that's when you come to us. But there's certainly some much bigger agencies that are doing more impressive stuff than we do, but we, we kind of serve a specific market. And it's
0: so interesting you mentioned the Hollywood and Netflix thing there because what comes to mind to me straight away is, before you even get into a Netflix show now and you're scrolling through Netflix, they give you, you know, if you hang on there just that split second long enough, they'll start playing the trailer for each video. Yes. So you know what's coming. It's that first five to 10 seconds where they're trying to give you that story hook, exactly everything that you've been talking about today in this episode, but really just <laughs> applied to Netflix. I mean, that's something I'll probably go away and study a little bit more. What are they doing in, <laughs> those, in those five seconds or so as you're scrolling through Netflix to try and grab you into the story of, you know, the films or documentaries that you're watching? Yeah, that's a great exercise. And um, before I let you go, that's you've provided so much great advice, some anecdotes. There's plenty of resources that I can share with our listeners via the notes as well. But do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you, or about funny sales videos, and also your podcast?
1: Yeah. So yeah, we haven't talked much about my podcast. So I decided just recently that it would be really valuable for me to go interview all of the clients that we've worked with and have produced those videos and and to teach other people how did they do it so we came up with the it's kind of a clickbaity name but the vi- the podcast is called how to make a video go viral and it's on every platform that you would think of but it doesn't actually talk about how to make a video go organically viral. It's talking about what are the steps and how did these clients do it? What were their results? What did they see? And then we're going to start interviewing other businesses that we haven't worked with. So I don't know if any of your listeners are in that position or would, would like to reach out to me, but you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Joseph Wilkins. You'll see me as the founder of funnysalesvideos.com. Um, and you can also, if you're interested in just having a chat about a possible campaign, just go to funnysalesvideos.com. And that's also where you can download our free ebook, How to Make a Funny Sales Video Without Hiring Us. Eight simple steps.
0: I'll be checking out plenty of that myself. I encourage our listeners to. And I'll just thank you once again, Joseph, for your time today. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks very much, Scott. Brilliant. Thanks. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast.